there and welcome to another exciting episode of The Partial Historians. And today is even more exciting than usual, Dr. Greenfield. Is it? Why? (laughs) (laughs) Because it is our very, very last episode on Nero, and hence the Julio-Claudian dynasty. Oh, yes, yes, we've gotten to the end of our, our empire imperial stint <laughs> yes our slight <laughs> deviation our deviation down the paths of judeo-accordianness exactly <laughs> um and so i feel like i should you... have prepped my voice slightly before i started the julio the julio or maybe perhaps i should say well, the julio the... <laughs> <laughs> however you like to pronounce them they're about to die yeah be prepared for disappointment my friends <laughs> be prepared exactly we <laughs> left you on rather a grim note as we seem to increasingly be doing <laughs> uh, things only get worse from here really <laughs> Sad face. Exactly, because in uh, AD 59, which I believe is where we finished last time, Agrippina the Younger, mother of Nero, had just been murdered. Things have taken a dramatic turn, (laughs) haven't they? (laughs) Things had started off so well. He was like a golden child. Mm, This must have been before he had the neck beard. Yeah. (laughs) I'm guessing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so luckily for Nero... There's not as large a backlash to matricide as one might expect. However, he does spend some time patching things up. Exactly. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it's not something that can be ignored entirely. This is not the end of Nero. No, no. But there are certainly people who indicate that you know they're not exactly happy with his actions, <laughs> such as you know the Stoic. perhaps his close advisors. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also you know apparently. Uh, in a meeting of the Senate where this is all sort of being brushed over. Uh, a Stoic, Thracia, <laughs> I oh, can't say his name. Patea. Patea, yeah. Or uh, Paetus. Paetus, yeah, stormed Thracia. out. Yes. Yeah, so we do get some senatorial opposition that's recorded mm. in Tacitus in particular. And not, and not even that, like, it's not really, really like violent opposition, it's more just like, this is ridiculous. I'm it's, it's a moral yeah. issue from their perspective. They're just like, As where might expect when murder's involved. Yeah. <laughs> are, are we just going to allow somebody who engages in matricide yeah. to be the imperator? Yes. And the answer for the majority seems to be yes. <laughs> Will I support him, or will it be easier to just try and fly under the radar? Exactly. Keep yes. flying, keep flying. <laughs> and so Nero continues on his merry little way. Yeah, surprising, <laughs> surprisingly so. Yes. Um, but, you know, things things start to take an even more negative turn yes, uh, as it, we head into the 60s. Yes, and the, the sources sort of indicate that this is perhaps because Nero was held somewhat in check by his mother, um, by her sort of disapproval or approval, and that with her death, this starts to unravel, even though he mm. has advisors around still. And it could just be a coinkydink. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> uh, in any case, the, the legacy of whatever control mechanisms that Agrippina seems to have been able to attach to Nero, they start to fray around the edges. Yes. Uh, and increasingly, the the people that she's put in place to act as his advisory board start to fall by the wayside. Yeah, so Things take a distinct turn when we get to 62. Exactly. Um, basically, um, we have Boris and we have Seneca, who are the main people that we hear about in the So sources. Boris is the yep. chief Praetorian prefect. Yep. Uh, Seneca, advisor-in-chief, speechwriter, yep. general nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> stoic. Another stoic. <laughs> um, yeah, so these guys, um, their control starts to unwind. And basically, um, at the same time, Nero is becoming more enmeshed, I suppose you could say, in his affair with 
Papaya Sabina. Yeah, so 62 becomes a really important year for Nero because we see, first of all, the death of Boris. Uh, this... Uh, some speculate could be poison. Yeah, and it could be because they. Well, so our sources suggest um, Boris objected to Nero's plans to divorce uh, his wife slash stepsister <laughs> Octavia um, on the grounds that she had apparently not provided him any heirs. Um, so that he could marry this Papaya Sabina who he'd been shacking up with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's controversy about the sort of the lovers, and unfortunately. From Nero's perspective, at least, Octavia is very publicly popular. Yes. She's seen as a paragon of virtue. Mm. This is a type of symbol that is severely lacking yeah. in Nero's rule Absolutely. currently. Yeah, and so he, you know, he doesn't. He, he's obviously a bit insecure about taking that step, mm. but he's determined to take it nonetheless. And with after Boris's death, there seems to be nothing holding. There's him nothing back. holding him yeah. back. So uh, this prompts. Uh, a sort of a whole catalyst of events. Seneca starts to ask whether it would be okay for him to retire mm-hmm. from public life. You can see him sort of being like, I can see where this is going. Yeah, I think he's if I don't get out of all. here soon, <laughs> bad things are going to happen to me. Yeah, and I mean, Octavia is the perfect example of that in that um, Nero, does, he does divorce her. Um, he initially is quite generous towards her because mm. of her public popularity, but eventually... So she's just exiled, you yeah, know. Yeah, just casual. You See can't you later, come back. sweetheart. Yeah, I'm locking the doors <laughs> to the city <laughs> and the house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just go somewhere else that's not Italy. It's just too close. Yeah, exactly. But um, then he starts to toughen up uh, the conditions of her exile, and finally she is actually put to death in yeah. 62 as well. This is a pretty dark period. It's only yeah. it's less than two weeks between divorcing Octavia and marrying Papaya Sabina. Yeah. Uh, so you can tell that this has been going on for a uh, while. Yeah, and I think the, there were apparently um, public demonstrations in favour of Octavia around this time, um, which is perhaps why Nero thought, well, when I was last troubled by a woman, <laughs> I got rid of her by murdering her. I, I, I know the solution to this sort of problem, guys. I know the solution. Let, let me handle it. Yeah. So basically, that's sort of a bit of a clear house, you know. Mm. Um, all the old guard are now gone. Yeah, and you might be asking to yourself, well, who is this Popeye Sabina anyway? Yes. Never heard of her. Where did she come from? And what a ridiculous name she has. <laughs> <laughs> well, she must have been a piece of hot stuff, I suppose. But mm. uh, she comes from, we think, one of the leading families of Pompeii. Yes. Uh, so she's a bit of... She's an Italian. Yeah. You might she's... have seen her villa, apparently. <laughs> apparently her villa. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Uh, and so she seems to have uh, been quite a popular lass. Yes, in, and, and we say popular with... Uh, Quotation marks. <laughs> no, no, According to our sources. Popeye the popular. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. According to our sources, she was popular. Yeah. Yeah. That didn't go as well as I thought yeah. it would. <laughs> We're not in sync. Oh, no. I'm going to stick to the, uh, yeah. to the seriousness. Yes. All right. So, uh, also in 62, we see the... Uh, launching of Maestas trials. Ah, always, always a sign. If you if you've been listening to uh, earlier lives of emperors, you will know that this is a sign for bad things to come. Yes, uh, it's basically the beginning of the downfall. <laughs> <laughs> it seems whenever you want to mark a period of of things are going downhill rather fast now, rather yes. rapidly. <laughs> Maestas trials coming back into it. The suspicion of the emperor has increased. Yes, people need to be punished. Yes. there have been crimes against. Uh, the idea of rule. Yes. So, how should they be punished? Exile, death sentences, so forth and yes. so on. And his new Praetorian prefect, 
to join us. Mm. Apparently, again, according to the source tradition that survives, like Papaya Sabina, seems to be a bad influence over Nero. So yeah, he gets himself in with a fast crowd. He does, doesn't he? <laughs> oh. <laughs> he doesn't let everything fall by the wayside. He's no. still got an eye for popular politics. Yes. So there is a grain crisis that happens in 62. There's a storm in Ostia. A whole bunch of ships are destroyed. Uh, while... I thought you were going to say something different just then. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> a whole bunch of ships are destroyed. Yeah. Some of them in the harbour of Ostia and a whole bunch of ships also in the Tiber leading from Ostia into Rome. So yeah. about 300 ships, we think, uh, which is quite, quite significant, su- yeah. quite substantial. And yeah. Nero goes out and he starts uh, dumping uh, rotten grain that's left over into the sea as a show of confidence. Mm. This is interpreted as like... Well, I don't need this rubbish queen anyway. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna get us some more guys. Don't worry about it. We don't, we don't need to pick through to see My what's people good here. Only eat the best. That's right. That's right. You don't want this burnt grain, do you? Yeah. Um, and he also subsidizes the grain market as well to keep the prices low. So what a nice guy. I know. And you know, he must have been doing this out of the public purse, presumably. Yeah. Um, and his own funds. So. He's going about making sure he's keeping a certain level of popularity. Yeah, he's not he completely seems, ignoring the people. Yeah, yeah, we have this real dichotomy with Nero in this second period of his rule, mm. where his popularity seems to remain fairly undiminished mm. with the plebeian sectors of the population. Senatorial, however. The senatorials, yeah. yeah. The Senate, they're not very pleased. And, mm-hmm. and certainly our source material coming from that senatorial perspective yes. sort of puts a, a negative... Enhances that negative shame, if you like. Yeah, and I suppose the other thing that happens to him personally, you know, around this time, certainly from the death of Agrippina and sort of accelerating, is his increasing public fondness for Greek things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes. Well, he's a connoisseur of culture. He is. He fancies himself quite <laughs> the artiste. <laughs> mm, mm. You know, he sets himself up on the stage. He likes to act. Uh, from a Roman perspective, this is seen as pretty uncouth. Yeah, I mean, senators used to be banned from, like, associating... Actors are equivalent with prostitutes yeah. in the Roman mindset, so... And not unjustly so. <laughs> harsh, <laughs> well, harsh. come on, let's face it, in this world, they might have been doubling if they weren't particularly high up the, you yeah. know, the acting ranks. Yeah, it's it's a fairly... It, it doesn't look good. It's not good PR. No. And so you not as far as the senators are No, yeah. and you would think to yourself, he's doing this because he loves it, perhaps? Yeah, I mean, you know, there, there are stories, you know, <laughs> when we get to the extreme parts where people are forbidden to leave the theatre when Nero <laughs> is performing, you know. Which makes you think he must be terrible Exactly, as well. <laughs> yeah. We hear stories of, uh, of people, you know, women giving birth in the theatre because they can't leave yeah exactly you get you get the idea of like senators with you know those little fake eyeglasses on yeah <laughs> trying to stay awake for the performance but yeah so it's unfortunate as well from a Roman perspective because anything associated with Greek culture at mm. this stage is seen to be a little bit effeminate yes and thus uh, emasculates you to be a part of yeah which kind of just fits in with all the negativity to do with Nero at this point yeah you know? so I mean lucky Popeye Sabina has a baby yeah <laughs> thank god because <laughs> yeah. that'll even up the balance <laughs> and air and air my kingdom <laughs> and again I mean the acting thing may be one of these things that was also encouraging the popularity with the plebs. Totally. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's really, really the senators. Yeah, yeah appealing yeah. to really popular sentiment. Yeah, and and in at the same time, creating disaffection with yes. the senatorial class. Ex- exactly. Yeah, definitely. And then of course, 
one of the you know one of the biggest disasters happens to occur in the latter stages of Nero's reign. The Great Fire of Rome. Dun, dun. <laughs> I didn't say that dramatically enough. <laughs> the Great Fire of Rome. <laughs> Let us sing yeah. while it burns. Exactly. Uh, yes. So, yes. Well, yes, it's terrible. Uh, it starts. It happens. Yeah. Uh, it's really sources, severe. Yeah. It's terrible. So yeah. there are 14 VC uh, or Vici, uh, which are suburbs, essentially, mm. in Rome. Yes. All but three are devastated by the fire. Yeah, and this happens in AD 64, we're talking about. Mm. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, this is extreme. And when we hear stories of this fire lasting for, you know, days, maybe even, you know... Yeah, there is is disagreement about how long it goes. We get dates ranging from anywhere that's like five days up until nine days, Mm. depending on the source material reading. I mean, that's extreme. Yeah. It is a fire that seems to start and then go through phases. Mm. Uh, it seems to flare up mm. on a few occasions yeah. and spread to new areas and create new devastation. A whole bunch of the grain silos are taken out. That's not good. Some, <laughs> there are some explosions. <laughs> and I mean, and the, the problem with Rome, um, we tend to think of Rome, I suppose, because of the images we see in maybe paintings or in film. We tend to think of it as, you know, glint, glittering in marble and <laughs> all very white and pristine. No. But of course, it is more like HBO Rome. <laughs> <laughs> the Rome of Nero's period is, is a largely wooden structure. Yeah. Uh, despite what Augustus claim to have left a city of stone and marble and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it is pretty shoddy work. Yeah, and I mean especially <laughs> in some areas, it's overcrowded massively. Oh, yeah. 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 There'll be people living in incredibly close contact with each other in mm. rather shonky buildings. Yeah, yeah. And there's no real building regulations no. to speak of. So, I mean, it's a recipe for disaster, really. Yeah, all it takes is a bad fire and apparently a strong wind mm. <laughs> and a fire can take off and not. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the problem with the, this fire is because it's so large and so severe, mm. uh, speculation starts to arise about how it could have kept on going. Yes. And you get stories about people actively pushing, getting people out of the way to light fires Yeah, that will become part of this great fire, if you yes. like. And this is part of where the rumours start. Yeah. Now, the problem from the historical record is that Nero's not in Rome when the fire starts. Yeah, so it's, it's this pretty... This is our first problem. Yeah. <laughs> problem number one. <laughs> he was not at the scene of the crime. <laughs> He's about 50 kilometres south of Rome at the time. This does not stop our sources, however, from being pretty convinced that he had something, he to, had do something to do with it. Yeah. Yes. And a lot of the conjecture around this is arguing that he was interested in a building program and extending his own palaces. Yes. And he wanted some free land to do that, and he wanted it in the city. So this is all feeding into his building program. Yeah, and this kind of comes because of what happened after the fire. In yeah. that Nero does take advantage of this cleared-out city. Yeah, this is a massive hindsight reading, because yeah. when, you, when you look at the trajectory of the fire and what the records suggest uh, where it was... A whole bunch of the areas where he builds his new palaces mm. in the wake of the fire were not completely destroyed. Yeah. You think if that's if the, that's what you wanted, yeah. surely that's where you would have started the fire. Well, exactly. And Especially since you have so least, much space now. <laughs> or at least ensure that those places were properly destroyed to facilitate yeah, why not just the building of your city? new palaces. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and this is the problem in that uh, perhaps this is where Nero makes a really big PR mistake in 
you know, in the mm. view of history, in that he does take advantage of um, some of this new space. Uh, and in the aftermath of the fire, he does start building this grand new palace. It's not all bad, though. Yes, he does take advantage of the space. Of course, yeah. But he also starts to bring in building regulations. Yes. And a whole bunch of legislation relating to how wide roads should be, mm-hmm. how far buildings should be from each other. And it's not like he starts building the palace and ignores the fact that there are people in distress. He does also take part in... He opens up his private gardens to people who have become homeless from the fire. Yes. So very much appealing to the plebeian spirit that he's encouraged. Absolutely. He looks after them in their time of need. But at the same time, the sources can make so much out of the building. You know, they can. If yeah. they want to spin it in a negative way, they can. And this, yeah. this palace that he builds is huge. Um, and pretty swish with its rotating dining room. I know. How nice. awesome is that? <laughs> I fancy <laughs> this future. <laughs> uh, and so this is where we get the... Um, I mean, just for those of you who haven't seen it, because now it's pretty much hidden from view, mm. um, because, you know, later people <laughs> contributed to that. Continued inhabitation. Yes, exactly, yeah. Rome, um, it's it a was, city. Yeah, it was spreading over a huge area, and basically um, there was also apparently a giant statue of Nero (laughs) involved in this, which was the the Colossus of Nero, um, which was built uh, basically on the site or just near the site where um, the Flavian Amphitheatre was built and that's where it gets the name the Colosseum from because the Colossus is right next to it. (laughs) Um, This is a... When they say... uh, Colossal. Yeah, it's, it's supposed to be about thirty-five meters tall. Yeah, it's <laughs> a very large Nero. Yeah, the wanted one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so this is yeah, this is giving you an idea of the scale of this palace and stuff and the building that he's, yeah, he's yeah. taking on. And this is not even to get into the PR exercise of burning some Christians. Yes, well, exactly it. Um, obviously, after the fire, people are demanding, you know, a scapegoat. Um, now, famously in Quo Vadis, Nero has <laughs> started the fire, of course, <laughs> and sung while Rome burned, and then all of a sudden goes into a panic. A myth that comes from far later on. We yeah, exactly. Yeah, it goes into a panic uh, and has to blame someone, so he decides he's going to blame the Christians. Now, that's not quite how the sources paint it, but there are certainly some Christians. There are definitely references yeah. to the Christiani, yeah. uh, a group who follow Christus, who are seen as outsiders in the city mm. and good scapegoats, in other words. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're seen as as not uh, not even they're not Roman, uh, so that helps. Yeah, but and they also refuse to be Roman, so bastards. Yeah, <laughs> they're seen as outliers in the system, and so they're gathered up. And yes, this the use of the the Christiani as illumination in the gardens. I mean, this sort of imagery that comes. From the ancient sources, absolutely it's hard to dismiss, and it's such a poignant and and horrific sort of image. It is, but at the same time, I suppose we have to remember that the punishments that were meted out to the people who apparently started the fire, as much as it might have been undeserved, and therefore, yes, it's cruel. Um, things like being, you know, used as bonfires and uh, being crucified, they were normal punish. Like being burnt is mm. a normal punishment for an arsonist. Yep. I'd say the Romans had a wicked sense of humour <laughs> in that respect. And crucifixion, again, it's, it is a punishment for people who've done something against the state, you know, for... Yeah, you know, and as yeah. much as we might not... Uh, the political people. Well, yeah. it's obviously not PC now, and nobody would do it. No, God, no. I should say, uh, <laughs> I'm not endorsing crucifixion <laughs> or being burnt Don't alive. Don't try it at home. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, this is this is all bound up in. They're not specifically the punishments meted out to the Christians are not 
specifically yeah. targeting them exactly. any differently from the right. way that the Romans targeted other criminals who they thought had committed exactly. similar crimes. Like, let's just say there had been another group yeah. with no religious affiliation who'd been the scapegoats. They would have got the same punishment. Yeah. That's my point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is sort of blown up because this yeah. seems to be a point of contact with yeah. Christianity. Exactly. Very like early in its history. Yeah, exactly. Like a deliberate targeting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's probably less to do with the deliberate targeting than yeah. it's to do with the convenience of having the scapegoat. Totally. Who are outsiders and not particularly popular anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a lot of issues going on, but I mean, this is starting to lead us into dangerous territory because Nero starts to become quite uh, tetchy and difficult and unpredictable mm. in the wake of the fire. Yes, he's got a building program. Yes, he has some plans in place. Yes. He does a lot of work to try and... Uh, uh, re-compensate uh, people for their losses and things like this. But this doesn't change the fact that he's starting to make erratic decisions mm. uh, from people's perspective. He's making decisions to go to Greece, to stay in Rome, to go to Greece, to stay in Rome. And this is in the lead-up to the fire, and it also continues after the fire has yes. occurred. People don't know why he's making the decisions that he's making. Yes, and I believe it's after the fire that he uh, perhaps unintentionally kills his wife. Ah, uh, yes, yes. The beloved Papaya Sabina. Yeah. Apparently I, by kicking her in the stomach. She gets mad at him for coming home late from the chariot races. Yeah. And he kicks her in the stomach while, while she's, she's pregnant. pregnant yeah. And she dies. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> this doesn't, yeah, this doesn't go well. Yeah, and this is just, I just think that's sort of emblematic of the kind of behaviour Yeah, we're starting, we're, starting to to, we're starting to see yeah. some very odd behaviour. Yes. Now, now this incident, this is, the, the death of Papaya Sabina is coming in 65. Yeah. And this is also the year where we see what is the first uh, large-scale conspiracy mm. against Nero yes. that our sources record. Absolutely, known as the Pazonian Conspiracy, mm. after one of the men involved, Piso. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We haven't touched on the Pisos a lot, but this family has a history of uh, resistance to various, em- <laughs> to various em- emperors uh, so far. So this is a family that's... It's got a reputation for mm. causing a bit of trouble. Uh, <laughs> the Pazonian conspiracy takes up a huge chunk of Tacitus's narrative in Book 15. Uh, he goes into a lot of detail. As you might expect. <laughs> we're not, we're not going to cover it in anywhere near the amount of detail. <laughs> if you want to know about the Pazonian conspiracy... Tacitus is your man. <laughs> Tacitus, Book 15. Yeah. <laughs> But it's a turning point in Nero's rule, certainly. We have this exposure, if you like, of senatorial dissatisfaction that spills out into possible action. Yes. This is not just a stoic protest movement. Yeah, this not is... just like a, I'm storming out of the Senate, watch me leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have a bunch of people getting together. Yep. Uh, they want change. They make this guy, Calpurnius Piso, the figurehead. Mm-hmm. There are... Tacitus sort of places an argument that he's going to step into the role of Imperator. Mm. He doesn't seem like the best guy or candidate for the job, to be honest. Um, Maybe he was just their fall guy. (laughs) (laughs) We'll call him the figurehead. That way he might get killed. (laughs) So it seems seems like, uh, much like the the murder of Julius Caesar Mm. much earlier on, there doesn't seem to be clear aims for what what this conspiracy will achieve. They just all agree that they're not happy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Importantly, what's more important about the Pazonian conspiracy is the fact that Nero finds out about it. Yeah. 
Um, and so, of course, there is There is an a huge aftermath. fallout for this. <laughs> uh, Piso himself commits suicide. Wise move. <laughs> uh, we have one of our consul designates for the year of 66. He's executed. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Seneca, please can I withdraw and retire? Uh-oh. Executed. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> and Lucan, uh, mm. famous for his poetry for suicide. Deary me. Just some what of the... What a bloodbath. <laughs> <laughs> just, just some of the few. Yeah. So it's it's not a good time in Nero's life. Well, um, as a way to compensate for this, Nero mm. decides to hold the Neronia. Yeah. <laughs> I hold games <laughs> in my own honour. <laughs> How about some of my own games, guys? <laughs> uh, I like them so much, <laughs> I should have one named after me. <laughs> so this is like we have these two sort of parallel versions of Nero, if you like. There's the Neronia of 65, and the plebs would be like, yeah, baby. Yeah. And, and then there's the Personian Conspiracy, and you can see the senators hanging their heads going... Why did anybody tell him? <laughs> Fools. Fools. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this leads to some increasing erratic behaviour from Nero as well. Uh, we've got the Pompeia yeah. being killed issue. He doesn't really deal with this very well. He seems to uh, uh, be traumatised by the fact that he's killed her. Well, yeah, I, I kind of can see the point there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he starts to take on... Uh, slaves as lovers yes. based on the fact that they look like her mm. and when we say slaves we're talking males rather than females yes and doesn't he have like a little marriage ceremony he with does he does marry one of them yeah. and has him castrated to fulfill the role appropriately good lord wouldn't you love <laughs> to be that man <laughs> how true is this story I don't know but I like the story I know <laughs> I like the story. You. You look like her. <laughs> you remind me very much of a woman <laughs> that I once loved. I hope you're not attached to your penis. <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're definitely on the downhill slide now. Yeah. We get, it, we get into 66. There's a revolt uh, coming from the Jewish quarter. Mm, that's uh, serious one. Yeah, yeah uh, one of Nero's greatest generals. Corbelo, Spanish guy from extraction, mm. um, thought to be the greatest general of Nero's generation. Yep. He's executed. Uh, there's thought to be suspicion that he might be involved in a conspiracy, although mm. I can't think how. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Distance might be an issue. <laughs> yeah. And in 66, 67, Nero makes another decision to go to Greece. Right. So he has one of these great sort of moments because he thinks another conspiracy is developing. Mm. Safer and in Greece, yeah. He might be right. Yeah. <laughs> he might be right. Yeah, because I mean, obviously, Corbulo being such a, an eminent general, mm. executing him, that pisses off another group of people you don't <laughs> want to piss off. Well, this pisses off all the generals. Yeah. Exactly. Anybody who's got a position of command. Mm. If Corbulo's the, the guy who's the greatest general of their generation mm. and seems the most secure in his relationship with Nero. If he can be bumped off, what are the chances for anybody? Exactly. I mean, there's, I mean, again, who knows whether this is actually true or whether this is just an extreme negativity of the sources, but I think there is some suggestion that, you know, they suggest that Corbulo was executed because Nero was jealous, you know, was worried yeah, and threatened by jealous of him. his yeah. of his reputation and his military power. Exactly, which kind of, yeah, that, that kind of encourages either bad people <laughs> And, you know, yeah, it makes people who are worthy think, well, holy shit, what's going to happen to me? <laughs> Enter Windex. Yeah. <laughs> Not to be confused with a popular window cleaner. No. <laughs> There's Windex with a V. <laughs> Julius Windex. Yeah. Uh, is, is, he is revolting in Gallia 
Lugunensis uh, in mid-March 68. That was very well done, by the way. <laughs> by which stage, Nero has returned from Greece back to Rome. Yeah. Um, Nero sends out uh, a fellow to deal with this. That's very nice. The, the countermeasures don't work, though. Yeah. Uh, the revolt of Windex is really important because everybody gets involved in yes. the area. So yeah. all of the generals, the people who are governing in different areas, they seem to be in communication. Yeah. Discussions. And banding are, together. They're yeah. banding together. So mm. this is a wild, wide-scale revolt. Yeah. And, I mean, for those of you who recall how people like Claudius and Nero came to power, although it wasn't necessarily the military, it was, you know, people like the people They have military support. Exactly, yeah. Military is important. And it's pretty clear by 68 that Nero has lost military support in a big way. And he hasn't lost it in Rome, necessarily. He's still got his Praetorians. Sure. But that's not going to hold up if you've got all of the armies of Western Europe descending on Italy because they're displeased with what's going on. Exactly. Which is... Precisely what was happening. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> this is where we see the advance in the career of Galba. Mm. So uh, Windex, although he's the organizer, seems to be the chief organizer. He doesn't want the role of princeps. Yeah, he offers it to Galba. Galba is a stalwart, uh, an old guard. He was around uh, during the life of Augustus. Uh, he's, a, he's friends with right. Livia. <laughs> this man has seen a lot. He's an old guy, yep. but he knows his stuff. And that's probably what's so appealing about him <laughs> at this point in time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so all of a sudden, uh, the military's getting together and they've made their figurehead one of the old wise guys. Yeah, exactly. Smart move, you might think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, news reaches Rome. In April, that Galba has declared himself the legate of the Senate and the Roman people. Mm-mm. This is a title that doesn't exist, guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I'm basically saying, I'm going to take the city, bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, and I'm for the Senate and, yeah. and the people. Yeah, exactly. Senators, senators. Yeah. <laughs> Do you hear Anyone me? Anyone happy? Anyone? Do you hear me? Anyone? Anyone? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Galba has a legion. He's heading towards Italy. Uh, he's got some port from uh, guys. He's got a second in command, Otho. You might recognise the name. Yeah, well, I don't know if we mentioned Otho, actually. <laughs> Otho used to be a friend of Nero's. Yes. <laughs> in fact, I believe that uh, Papaya Sabina was <laughs> once his wife. <laughs> it's a twisted, twisted is, relationship. Yeah. No more. No, no more. more. No more. <laughs> Friendship doesn't stand up in the wake. <laughs> Otho and Nero fall out over a girl. Yeah. So be it. Otho's now anti-Nero. Yeah. Yeah, he's going along for the ride. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> Nero actually assumes the consulship in April mm-hmm. as a way of uh, indicating that he's going to get physically involved. Yeah, because that'll stop them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, taking the consulship, I'm going to lead the armies to defeat this sort of rebellion. Mm. That doesn't go quite so well. <laughs> Poor Nero. Um, Nero also redirects the legions that are heading out to the east mm-hmm. uh, to come back from the east to help defend Italy and Rome from the defectors. Galba's declared a public enemy. Events get sketchy. Yeah. This is where our source material starts to fall down. Yeah, because I don't think we have Tacitus <laughs> to the very end of Nero. Yeah, uh, so we we have things up until April. Everybody's moving. Uh, we've got legions heading out of Spain, out of Gallia, heading towards Italy. We've got the legions that Nero is advising to turn around from yeah. their trip east. They're sort of like heading towards you can smell the civil war <laughs> in the turning, air turning around slowly <laughs> heading back they don't get there in time yeah uh, just to just to give that away convenient but, <laughs> but at that stage the source material becomes really really scattered and it's not until june that things drop near is dead 
Yeah, it's all, all over. Yeah. It's all over. And you, surprisingly, not in battle. <laughs> <laughs> Nor was he exactly murdered. I mean, he mm. eventually decided or was advised that the best thing to do... The noble way out yeah, would be suicide. Exactly. Mm. Uh, and this is where you get, you know, that sort of image of Nero saying, you know, oh, what an artist dies in me. <laughs> uh, and not being perhaps brave enough to see, you know, to see the to deed To die through. on the field, yeah. yeah exactly. Um, so, yeah, Nero ends... Uh, he ends the dynasty in somewhat... It's a little bit of an anticlimax. It is, yeah. Sorry, guys. Yeah. That's history. Yeah. <laughs> we wouldn't lie to you. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't and, want us to make it up. <laughs> and Windex, who showed so much promise, he dies too. Well, that's very sad. But Galba. Mm. Galba. Galba, he survives. He does. And he, he becomes the first emperor in the year of the fall. <laughs> mm, and yes. on that note yes I'm afraid we're going to have to cut you yeah, off yeah. <laughs> we have reached the end of the Julio Claudians <laughs> we hope you have enjoyed our brief digression <laughs> our, a brief digression that's taken us many episodes exactly um, but our next episode we're going to begin with our listener requests Ooh, our listener requests. Exactly. So Ooh, please tune in. Join us for our first Have you topic. requested something? <laughs> Is it coming up? Mm. You'll have to eagerly tune in next time. <laughs> Suspense. Mm. Suspense. <laughs> See you next time. Bye. <laughs>